0: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government in our name treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees.
1: It's hard to go on living when your future is denied.
0: Good morning and welcome to Refugee Radio. I'm your host, Celine Yap, um, and I hope you are enjoying the sunshine this morning. Um, It's been great weather compared to yesterday. Apparently it's snowing in Trentham, just in case anyone's interested to know what's happening in Trentham. Um, So in the studio with me today, um, I have... Shireen Clark, she's the Director of Humanitarian Services from the ASRC and she's going to speak to us all about the ASRC and the programs that they have. We have been doing a series, um, in case you haven't been listening over the last few weeks, um, we've been doing a series on the services that, are, that the ASRC provide to people seeking asylum who are living in the community um, and we've had real, some really fantastic Um, insight into um, the food bank program, the, I can never say the word, big long word, entrepreneurship program, um, which other ones have we had? Um, the change, Changing Tracks program, talking about how people can change the language um, around how they speak about refugees. So anyway, thank, thank you, Shirin, for coming in. Good morning. Um, Shirin is probably is going to do a closing, big, nice closing program for us. Um, <laughs> but again, like I said, we're always open to the SIC coming in and speaking to us. Thank you very
1: much. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about... Um, the history of your your history actually with the ASRC and your insights into what the this organization has organization has done um, in the last few years.
1: Yeah so um, I, I've been with the ASRC since we started. Um, so it started as a um, a group uh, of students with our um, the the current CEO of the organization, Con uh Um basically was um a lecturer at victoria university and he said um pretty much i've got a good idea um we had you know people seeking asylum was often in the news back in 2001 and um and yeah we started as a little food bank with uh, you know a couple of hundred dollars and a couple of bags of groceries and a um, a service called Grasslands, you know, lent us the um, shop front and that's essentially how we started. Um, and then we just you know, put um, the, you know, out to the community that we needed help to keep it going. And the Australian community responded. And that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, So over the, the last 17 years, we've gone from, yeah, pretty much scraping week to week to now we're around about, I'd say, $14 million worth of operations and so it's a very large organisation providing over 30 services to people seeking asylum so that's been a really um, wonderful experience for me to see how you know the organisation through the support of the Australian community can um, really respond to you know people seeking asylum and, and supporting them in their journey while they're they're going through this refugee determination
0: process. What made you and the the students that were with you at the time, what made you want to um, do this? Yeah, well, I mean, um, whilst
1: I was born here, my mother is um, a migrant to Australia. And, um, you know, so hearing her stories of her, you know, um, birthplace and um, how, you know, the There's sometimes, while she's very happy to be in Australia, uh, the sadness um, that that she felt when, you know, she she missed her country and she loves Australia and she loves being here. But, um, you know, there were particular times of the year that um, was, you know, Mm. she found that difficult at times. Um, And also just, I think, um, you know, I, I believe in a, you know, that Australia can be fair and can be, you know, beautiful and and that that's the way i i grew up with you know um a strong sense of social justice and and so I thought once I heard, like I didn't realise how difficult it was for people seeking asylum. Many didn't have work rights, many didn't, people didn't have Medicare, uh, they had no income and um, a lot of them were facing years of destitution whilst they were going through this process in Australia and so it was really important for me once I heard about it I couldn't do I couldn't not do anything about it.
0: So you've been doing this for 17 years and the SIC has been open for 17 years. What, yeah. um, what changes have you seen? Do you think things are getting better or worse? I, I think, look, I've, I've seen periods of times where things
1: have gotten better, but unfortunately I think um, the um, politicians um, have really um, done an unfortunately successful job at demonising people seeking asylum um, you know, when we consider how many people we actually support, it really is a drop in the ocean of what's happening globally. Mm. And it's a real concern to, to think that, um, you know, in this country that we believe everyone deserves a fair go, that everyone has the right to, um, you know, safety and security. And we are, you know, we have, we are signatories to the UN Convention for the Rights of the Refugee that. Um, Yeah, that that unfortunately it's been so politicised by by um, especially this government um, and, you know, the whole uh, stopping the boats has really meant um, that they've... They've tried to give legitimacy to demonising um, people seeking asylum when we know I work with people seeking asylum every single day and I know it's actually not the case. People are really coming for legitimate reasons and they deserve the right to be safe and have a basic safety net whilst they're seeking asylum in Australia.
0: I've been reading a book called um, I think it's called Ethics um, in this in a Global World or something, and it yeah. was written by a guy named Peter Singer who's an Australian philosopher. And he was actually saying something about how if we want to be a global nation yeah. and benefit from that, that's we right. also need to pay the price for that, which is that's which right. means we we should care for other people suffering who are not us if we're happy to benefit from taking their natural yeah. resources and contributing to the carbon emissions, like the the carbon that's going up into into the atmosphere, mm. um, then we have an we have a, a obligation. Yeah, to oh, it's, yeah, it's
1: definitely there's a it, we do have a responsibility, but mm. also like what does it say about our community? Mm. Like if we treat people poorly whilst they're seeking asylum. Just making it that much harder for people, it, it really isn't going to set them up. A l- large proportion of people do end up being found to be o protection. So why are we making it so challenging them?
0: Yeah, and the practicality exactly. of that and the cost of, um, of mental illness in the community. Exactly.
1: It just has flow on effects. It's crazy. And for people too. I mean, I think we've all had an experience of not fitting in. Of not being doesn't matter you know where you come from or you know, um, I think everyone has had some kind of experience of just being the other. And if you multiply that by, you know um, just so many barriers that that people seeking asylum face in Australia, long term, what impacts does it have on on them and and
0: on our community as well? Yes, but um, so true. So, Um, you were going to talk to us about the other programs that the ASRC run. We haven't obviously covered them in the last, I think it's been five weeks we've been doing this, Um, maybe six. Um, What other ones... Um, that we may- maybe have not covered because you yeah. have a lot, you have a lot of programs.
1: Yeah, so in, under the Humanitarian Services banner, mm-hmm. we have uh, the General Access Program, which is essentially an information and referral service. They do the initial assessments to to make sure that um, people who do have... Eligibility for external services that we link them into that. So you can apply, they that's apply, right. you can apply through you or exactly. you can help them apply for all these things. Exactly. Yeah. We provide some immediate assistance in that space. Um, obviously, we can't assist everyone um, and it is becoming more and more challenging and I'll talk to some of the changes to the status resolution support services shortly. Um, but that's caused significant impact on services like the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre who are non-government
0: funded. Mm, and more pressure. And- the organisation as well to provide support and things like food and
1: that's right Mm. so then we have the community food programs and I know Karen Williams was here a couple of weeks ago which was great and she gave a good overview of the food bank bank and the community meals program and the harvest of hope which is uh, a really innovative way of making sure that people seeking asylum can get fresh fruit and veg which is just amazing Uh, and the work that that those two programs do is you know truly phenomenal and it's not just about uh when you think about food food is so important to everyone but it's important to their people's health it's important to um connect people and give people an opportunity to connect um um, every single day so the community meals program everyone sits down you know for that lunch lunchtime meal and basically they um they connect with each other over the food and it's you know um from all different parts of the world and it's it's just a wonderful experience for everyone to to share that and also
0: the ability for people in the community to help yes it, it like because yeah. um, there's not a, lot, not a lot of opportunity people see stuff on the news and they think what what can i do there's nothing i can do exactly but with the food bank i think it, it's so practical in that way that people can throw so in an extra few of groceries into their, right. their weekly shopping or just go online on calls and and send um send a food voucher exactly to the yeah, yeah. it's very, very very easy to contribute to yeah
1: it's it's such a wonderful um opportunity for the community and we estimate that we give around 1.2 1.4 million dollars worth of um in-kind food donations every single year it's mm. truly a phenomenal effort from the community so um so there's a community food programs um we also have the health program which is a fully functioning health clinic Um, it it provides primary health care to you know so many people seeking asylum especially we prioritize people without
0: medicare yeah i was gonna say they don't get medicare so i I feel like
1: some do, but some don't. Okay. And um, so the, the the challenge with our current system is there is no um, one way. Um, so some people have Medicare, some people don't. Some people have work rights or study rights and others don't. Uh, some people have a basic income, which is the status resolution support service, and many people don't. And so... Um, the the asrc in about i think it was about 2003 we um developed the first purely um you know uh Health Clinic for
0: People Seeking Asylum. And is this at the ASIC? It is at oh, the Oh, wow. ASRC. So you don't even have to go anywhere. They're no, just, yeah. It's a one-stop shop for exactly, everything.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so through that service, we provide um, primary health care. Um, we have amazing, amazing nurses on staff and uh, GPs who donate their time and you know completely all qualified physios podiatry whole range of different health services which is just incredible and we've been funded by the state government thankfully um, over the last couple of years to provide immunization to people seeking asylum which is just Fantastic. truly phenomenal. It's yeah. so important to keep people healthy. And the kids as well coming exactly. through who through. don't have
0: this. Because I think recently there was one, the baby that died, I think it was from chicken pox.
1: I'm not sure. Because oh, it wasn't yeah. immunised. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, for, for us, I mean, the, the wonderful thing is you know, at least from a state government perspective, we've got some really great health initiatives in that space. And so, you know, I'm really grateful to the the state government for making sure that at least basic services, access to emergency um, hospital, you know, the hospital emergency, yeah. access to ambulance um, and a lot of community health centres have opened up their doors to people seeking asylum as well, which is, um, you know, showing leadership like that is really what we are hoping for in this community. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's the health program. Um, we also pay for people's pharmaceuticals as well. Okay. So that's really so important to <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's right. No,
0: no point going if to the doctor if you can't pay for the medication exactly, afterwards. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And a lot of people do have uh, chronic health issues and a large proportion are either at, risk of diabetes or um, have diabetes as well so it's really important to keep people healthy people safe and Mm. um, people informed about um, bet the you know really healthy options in the community so whilst they're going through this really long and arduous process that they can stay healthy Mm. Um, we also have the client services programs which is the counselling um Counselling, casework, and continuing care programs, and they provide um, support to people. Um, Seeking Asylum throughout the refugee determination process. I mean, essentially, um, they're working with over 500 people at the moment in that space. And it is people who um, really do struggle with the process itself. Mm. They provide guidance and support. They do some goal setting. It's very
0: stressful. Yeah, it's incredibly stressful. And for the goalposts to keep changing every time. Like they'll say it's going to be three years, so they wait for the three years and then they change all of a sudden and they have to start again. Or That would drive anybody. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Just so w- we've worked with people for you know many many years yeah. who are stuck in this um, you know review process as well, and that's very very challenging. And there's currently two legal processes at the moment. So there's people who've arrived by boat under. What we call fast track, which isn't really fast track at all. Um, <laughs> and um and and for people who arrive by plane, they've got a separate um, legal avenue as well and can get very confusing for for people who are going through the process. And if they
0: don't speak English that well and can't read through all the documents, exactly. Too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's um
1: based you know the the services, and then um we've also got the detention rights advocacy program. So the work that they're doing at the moment, you probably would have heard, a lot over the media over the last couple of days, and Natasha Blucher, who's the um, detention rights advocacy program manager, she's uh, been on TV quite a bit. So these are the campaigns. That's well, yeah. basically mm-hmm. they're doing the casework for people seeking asylum. Or uh, in, like currently in detention onshore, and the two main groups that they work with offshore is obviously the Manus and Nauru cohort, and the big campaign that we've got going at the moment is the getting children off Nauru, which is uh, so important for us at the moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously people who are in. Places offshore are in really inhumane situations, and without really any significant pathway of them having some kind of resolution to getting out of those offshore um, uh, processing centres. So it's a, it's a real concern to us that that practice continues. Started again, unfortunately, it was mm. it was stopped. Um, you know, back in. 2008, 2009, I think, or 2010, and then they brought it. <laughs> and back. then they brought yeah. it back because uh, they just wanted to stop the boats. Unfortunately, so it's they thought that a was stalemate
0: a stalemate now, isn't it? Yeah. Because like PNG has decided that they should not be there, according to their human rights.
1: It's it's a very confusing um, situation. So we've got lots of different information bits and pieces, but it's very clear that, um, you know, that that it isn't a. A long-term solution to what is um you know what should be our obligations as a nation if we are signing up to the UN convention and to to put these um you know to, to put people in these situations um for long for lengthy lengthy periods for any period of time is really inhumane but f- just remember a lot of these guys have been there since you know 2013 and that's that's you know, we're 2018 now. It's and the it one thing be.
0: they mentioned too that um, that makes it real difficult for them is that they a lot of them don't know why. So a lot of yeah um, people who've come on the same boat with pretty much exactly the same circumstances, some have got through, some are not, and so it it really stresses them out thinking why why am I still here? Yeah, they have no idea, and when they try and find out they get really vague answers as to why they're there so it it gives them that feeling of helplessness because they can't address the issue there's nothing they can do they just wait it out
1: yeah i think that's the thing you work in this sector for long enough you often think that there is no rhyme and reason for any of the decisions that are made um it, it really is dependent on so many particular circumstances and um there does seem to be a a very strong sense of unfairness in Mm. this process and it can be you know one person can go to one person get their assessment um and it's a negative assessment and then somebody else can get a positive and they were in very similar situations it's uh, it is really
0: confusing well, for a lot it's of people. never been more clear as with the au pair situation, which <laughs> yeah, is mean, all over the media the Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. It, it's, you know, like it, it, it is up to the Minister for Home Affairs to does have that right. What's really concerning, though, is that that same humanitarian lens is... Um, is is not uh, given to people who you can tell really mm. need who it, it would be detrimental to them to return um, and the comment really of sad. him
0: saying it's a, it was a bit tough yeah and, and trying to apply that to a refugee yeah and not thinking that it's a bit tough for them as well
1: yeah <laughs> oh, look it, it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's devastating. I, I don't know if you've ever, had the experience of having to tell someone that they are, have no other options oh, and ha- that imagine. they're going to have to return, mm-hmm. and it's truly one of the worst things I've ever had to do, and um, and to support someone through that is 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 just so devastating to your soul as well. Like, um, you know, let alone for that person because if it was up to us, we would yeah we would take care yeah. of them we'd be
0: like share, share my house exactly you
1: know? yeah and look the thing is the the Australian community um I, I truly believe that I've seen enough evidence in the, the last 17 years of the ASRC that the Australian community can be better can do better um if we were given some leadership from uh, politicians to not, um, if you look at um, Justin Trudeau and the way he is accepted. Um, You know, people fleeing. um, You know, persecution in other countries. Um, We just need more leaders like like that.
0: There was a story about him saying that he was told that his refugee policy would make him lose the election, and he said, "I'm not." And they told him to back out of it, and he said, "No. um, This what this country needs is leadership, and I think that is exactly what we're missing here. Our politicians are so." at the whim of oh how many what what's the latest poll exactly know? yeah there's no someone needs to show the country what we can be as as exactly. a exactly as a community exactly i think
1: um you know you're seeing you know lots of right wing kind of ideology come coming up through, yes. through at the moment all over the world you know i just wonder if um you know, we've been really lucky, really, as a generation. You know, we, we really haven't had to fight many wars, you know, I'm saying in the Western world. Mm, um, for and the, the wars the
0: Indigenous communities, exactly, which are still suffering. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but what's concerning is that, um, you know, we're still coming from a place of privilege and and we still want to exclude the other and... Um, yes, you're absolutely right. And sometimes I mean, look at
0: the way we, we treat our Indigenous yeah. people. It's, and sometimes it's not um, not on purpose either. Some, what do they call it? Um, unconscious bias. Uh, totally, yeah. yeah. I
1: think that everyone has unconscious But I even – I do every single day. I think I'm – I'm very conscious that I've got unconscious bias. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's uh, it's just about how can you do You Recognise it. Yeah, you've got to recognise it. You've got to how can, you know, what can I do to Mm. contribute? And as you said before, it can be as simple as, you know, donating, you know, a couple of items in your next grocery shop or it can be uh, getting out there. It can also be uh, joining the campaigns. I mean, the reality of the situation, though, is that unless we tell our Leaders, that this is important to us, that we want to live in a safe and fair society, that these things are going to continue, and um, you know, so we do have to become participants in this process.
0: And sometimes it's all about also even mentioning something to your friends, because you you know you, you might have one person in that circle of friends who has thought that's about right. it, yeah. And if you if you're not the person who brings it up, no one else will, yeah. And sometimes that's enough to make exactly. change in your smaller communities exactly. it's, it's quite amazing how yeah. one person saying something can create such a yeah. difference
1: so I think uh, just before we almost finish up oh yeah, you uh, wanted to talk about the the, the funding cuts. Says, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think one of the, the great things is that a lot of the um, councils at the moment are showing some real leadership you know especially the city of Greater Dandenong city of Whittlesey, city of Brembank mm-hmm. for example um, are coming out against the um, changes to the status resolution
0: support services so can you explain what that is for
1: yeah so status resolution support services is a basic entitlement that Mm. a lot of people seeking asylum uh unfortunately don't get but the Mm. ones who do um, it's really crucial for them to be able to survive throughout this process. Because they only, can't work, is this they right? Can, yeah. uh, some of them can't work, mm. but uh, some of them can. But uh, essentially it's 89% of a new start allowance, which is really a so tiny yeah. amount of money. And what's been happening recently is that the uh, federal government, Minister Dutton, had um, made uh, um, arrangements to reduce the amount of people getting onto that. So essentially it's only if you have very high, mental health or physical health um, issues and can't work, will you be able to um, continue on that program? So literally hundreds of people are being exited uh, nationwide. Um, and so the services like the ASRC and community groups and church groups are starting to see the effects of that where people are turning up homeless and hungry and um, and yeah destitute. And it just means that they're processed throughout this refugee determination um, process will be, just be that much more harder. And so it's really heartening to see a lot of councils come out and speak out against this. But it's only unless the rest of the community says this is not acceptable that we can actually change, change this particular government's mind and we need the whole community to get behind the that as well. Federal
0: election Exactly. we need to be looking at. Exactly, really. yes. When is the federal election? Do you know? I have no idea. <laughs> if you can tell me, we'll, we'll I, I suppose like, they're meant to call it at a certain point. Like They have a space of time to call. They, I believe it's say like early next
1: year yeah, potentially
0: okay. but yeah yeah I think I your guess think you is can. as good as mine <laughs> <laughs> well it's very important I think um well thank you so much for thank you. coming in to talk about that um I'll just do a recap probably um you if you want to contribute to the food bank uh, there is a list on the ASRC page That's correct, yeah. um I think there's like tins of tomato That's lentils right. exactly. all that kind of thing um but if, if you do collect that, you have to go and drop it off. So maybe That's the, correct, the yeah. best thing, if you're not anywhere near Footscray and you te- you're terrified of driving to the city, um, you can also just go online onto the calls website. That's right. And there's, there's a whole yeah. – um, the ASRC website goes through the whole thing and it's pretty easy to follow. That's right.
1: We um, also have an appeal out at the moment. I do you?
0: We're fundraising
1: essentially for the Detention Rights Advocacy Program yep. and uh, supporting the work we do and making sure that we – do everything that we can to get children off Is the, on the road. website as well. That's correct, yeah. With, yes. And all the campaigns as well. So there's Roof Over My Head and uh, Let Them Stay and a whole range of other campaigns that you can become involved in. Um, but essentially, get out there, speak to your politicians, speak to your members, and
0: um, yeah, get them to change yeah, the policy. You need to find your federal member, then send them an email. That's correct. Does it really work? Because sometimes I think about Somet- it and I'm yeah. like, do they really read really? it? So just click delete it all It really on does. The inbox. Um,
1: I've had some information. From a, a, a colleague of mine who said that basically, unless people hear about what's um, important to their constituents, then they're not so going they, to okay, actually. So they need, they need that. That's too. right. So even the ones yep. that you think are on board, yep. if they don't hear about this issue from okay. you on a regular basis, they're going to drop it and move to the next Interesting. thing. Interesting. Good So to know.
0: keep going. Keep 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 getting emailing, the message out. Writing letters, there. handwrite right. letters, exactly. send post its. Cool. Um, so you've got a song for us. That's right, yes. It's called uh,
1: Find A Way. I think that the reason why I really love this, um, it's from the film The Good Lie. Um, obviously it's a you know, film um, talking about a refugee experience and no one is the same. Um, but I think in relation to finding a way, it's, um, it's about like the community can find a way to, to support uh, people seeking asylum.
0: This is the song is called "Find a Way," featuring Emmanuel J, Nico, and Vince. I think um, so. <laughs> yeah, from the movie The Good Lie. You've been listening to Refugee Radio. Um, please stay tuned for Latin American update.